Welcome to episode 20 of the KIPPS Personal Trainer Application Podcast. My name is Tyler Valencia and I'm the president of KIPPS and Kettlebell Concepts. In this episode, we have Elizabeth Lenart, who is an industry speaker, the program director of Balatone, and a master trainer for Bosu Bar. Elizabeth shares her advice for fit pros and wanting to develop relationships with organizations and her very cool idea of fitness counseling for fit pros. Let's get to the episode. So can you explain what bar is for, I'll say, the uninformed personal trainers? I know myself having taught group exercise, having been in the industry for quite a bit now, I still don't understand bar. I know it's a very popular class within inside, inside of a gym, but give us a good explanation of what bar is. All right. I would love to. So bar was originally created with the goal of assisting or rehabilitating injured dancers. That was one of the main reasons um, it was created. So for, as you said, the uninformed or maybe, you know, the personal trainer or the power lifter, I want you to think about bar as muscular endurance. Okay. It is most definitely a muscular endurance workout. And, um, you know, body pump is also muscular endurance because we know it's not a max lift. The load is definitely different. The tools mm-hmm. are different, but the goal remains muscular endurance. So when I explain bar to people, we talk about, it's all based off of um, something that looks like a squat or a lunge. Mm -hmm. And the purpose is really to strengthen the muscles that support the core and pelvis. And when we add that piece and supporting the pelvis, Mm -hmm. we usually get a little bit more intrigue from, um, from an athlete or sometimes from, you know, both male or female who might, you know, prefer to do Olympic lifting or power lifting. They're like, well, Mm -hmm. tell me more about this. So I would relay bar work as I'll call it to that population to think of that as accessory movement. Mm -hmm. So when we think, for example, the big lifts, right? What plane of motion are they in? They're all in the same plane of motion. Mm -hmm. So when we add in bar work, we are always working something based off a squat or a lunge. We can be on the floor. We can be vertical. We can use different tools, but we're really focusing on building strength around all the muscles that, you know, all your core muscles and everything supporting the, the spine and pelvis. So think about, it is good stuff. So you will see bar, uh, traditional bar um, has been around for a long time. It's only been mainstream somewhat recently, but I can tell you, I have worked, um, you know, not with what we see as the stereotypical person that would enter a bar class or a bar studio, but I have worked with power lifters and Mm -hmm. I have worked with football coaches who want to take bar back to um, their athletes when they're getting ready for a season. So you wouldn't just be hitting, you know, um, a max lift and it wouldn't be five repetitions of, of a heavy lift. We would be spending a lot of time in the same exercise, but playing with the range of motion. Mm -hmm. And that might be rhythmic to the beat of the music or not. But think squat variations, uh, variations, lunge variations, and sometimes we add cardio bursts in to add a little bit of spice to the class. Uh, light weights, and I say light weights because I had to be the girl to pick up 
you know, a pair of 15 pound dumbbells for a bar class and say, well, I can do a lateral raise with these, not in a bar class, because the number of repetitions is so great. And it's not meant to be a heavy lifting type of program. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's a good explanation. And really, I feel like when an athlete is shown doing it on, uh, I'll say on ESPN or any type of social media site, I feel like those are usually what sparks you like, okay, what is that? What is bar? Yes. And I feel like similar instances has happened with say Pilates or yoga when they see a popular athlete doing these types of exercises, but really getting the information out there to the general pop. And I will say that I have met fault even that when I've seen bar classes going on, you'll see I've seen mostly predominantly with the female population doing it. But all the things you mentioned right there are great for everybody. And those are, I'll say even the principles of it are things that power lifters, Olympic lifters, athletes, those are things that they want to incorporate more. And sometimes they're just going on social media or digging into forums is trying to find what are accessory lifts to help my squat or deadlift. And really, here's something that's been around for a while that can help them. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's all about the delivery. It's really about the delivery. You don't have to have your hair in a bun to do bar and you don't have to use uh, the music that you would most commonly associate with bar. I mean, you can, you can use ACDC and and work Mm -hmm. muscular endurance and those Mm -hmm. planes of motion, but it really, you know, you have to know your why. When I first started doing bar, um, it was actually to, you know, to rehab and and strengthen um, weak muscles. I started to develop a, a medial collapse. Mm-hmm. Um, which I would not have known. And I, I had an injury and I was like, oh, we need to work the glute medius a little bit more than we have been. And um, that's translated into a lot of success. So many enjoy it as their only workout. Um, for me personally, I enjoy it and I do do it as a workout, but that workout has a space in my uh, weekly regime. It's not mm-hmm. the only thing I do. It supports the other things that I do and lets me do a better job. Oh yeah, that's right there. That right, that key right there lets you do a better mm-hmm. job at lifts or performing in action. Those are the things that people might that might hear this part of the podcast and be like, okay, that's why I want to do that. And I mean, as someone that does do Olympic lifts, power lifts, I mean, right now, and I feel like this is pretty typical. We as people that subscribe to that type of theory, we just sprinkle it in here and there, maybe once. Uh, before a lift or for accessory work, how you mentioned, when dedicating some time to it, putting in your schedule could have a big impact on your performance, which I think is really crucial. And um, I appreciate the explanation and how you did it, because there are people like me. I mean, I've been in the industry for over 10 years and worked in gyms, done education, and I still didn't know just how you explained it right there. And really... I kind of related to even what I've learned over the past couple of years when talking with people that are subscribed to, say, Viper um, and what they do with multiplanar movements, um, loading in those different planes, and even how now people approach the word core, core stability, and how core stability performance can be a part of a program. We're not just thinking about it in terms of crunches, planks. How can we load the spine? and improve performance 
with these types of, of loads or even a class like bar, which I think is really great. So yes, now I think the issue is getting into the population, the general pop. How can a gym goer see this, understand it? Because right now they still think that, okay, strong core, I need to go do a hundred crunches or leg lifts. And it's like, yeah, sure. Not oh, really. Yeah. So that connecting no, the pieces. No. Oh, definitely connecting the pieces. Um, you know, and, and you think too, you know, someone might come to a bar class and maybe that, um, maybe that environment is the perfect fit for them. And mm -hmm. maybe it's not going to be their soulmate workshop, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to be able to take um, pieces of the workout or the education behind it mm -hmm. and apply it to, you know, the vibe that works best for them. So yeah. it's a great format that can be fused with other disciplines and programming as well. I like that. I like that. Yeah. So Elizabeth, in doing, uh, I'll say some preparation for the podcast, I saw that you're a part of a variety of um, your, your connections with different types of organizations. There's some great ones out there. How did you get involved with Ballytone and BOSU? Oh, wow. So I've been super lucky to have had and still have amazing mentors in the fitness industry. And my very first uh, fitness mentor uh, to take me outside of my little local area was Shannon Fable. And Shannon had a company called SFR, Sunshine Fitness Resources. And she did a phenomenal job of trying to bridge that gap between fitness professional and possible fitness educator and presenter. Mm -hmm. So um, I uh, ended up being connected with Shannon. And um, at the time, Shannon uh, was my boss for both uh, BOSU and for Balatone mm. um, because she did own Balatone um, up until uh, in the United States. She, up until recently, um, I believe she might still own it in Japan. So she had been my mentor. So those were my uh, first uh, companies and formats uh, that I became a master trainer for through that guidance. So we had, oh my gosh, it was, it was so eye-opening because sometimes if you go to a conference, if it's your first experience, you are a kid in a candy shop and you cannot wait to do everything. And you think that you can teach this really great class at home. So mm -hmm. why not up on that stage? And then you learn all the things you didn't know mm -hmm. that you needed to know and master and practice in order to be ready to do something like that. So Shannon, um, you know, has been my guide uh, through that process for well over a decade. Wow, that's great. That's great. And yeah. a really a, a good conversation I had in the last podcast with somebody that you and I both know, um, Steve Feinberg. And within that, we, Steve. <laughs> within that, we talked about mentors and uh, finding mentors and uh, reaching out even outside of the fitness industry and what those can benefit, how they can benefit you. So it's great that you shared how somebody, you know, helped your career tremendously in terms of getting you connected with these organizations and from being with two notable organizations and being a master trainer for them, what kind of advice can you share for someone that, you know, they're a trainer already that on the nine to five, I'm calling it nine to five, but we know that it's a 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. or <laughs> 9, 9 p.m. There we uh, go. <laughs> what, um, what kind of advice can you give them that they're like, okay, I really like this one organization i would like to try to teach for them or collaborate with them what can i what kind of advice can you give them 
Oh, this is such a great question. And we get this, uh, this question often in club trainings and at conferences. Um, you know, what you really need to do is know your why. And that's definitely the, the guidance mm -hmm. counselor in me who's been yeah. coming out lately. And you have to know why. Sometimes people will approach me you know, as program director for Balaton and say, what do I need to do to become a master trainer for Balaton? Mm -hmm. And my first question is, tell me what you like about Balaton. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's always, you know, I, I will take any feedback that anyone has, and I love hearing their responses. And then you quickly find out if someone really has a passion for the program or whether they want to put um, the words master trainer next to their name, mm -hmm. or they want, maybe sometimes they want the master training experience and they don't know where to begin. So I would always advise the person asking to really spend some time thinking about what they're attracted to. Is it, so I've used the BOSU for years and dance had been part of my background um, and group exercise for years. So these programs and brands um, meant something to me because they're things I already did. And I believed in the people who were involved in the program. When I would go to conferences, I would see, you know, I'd see Shannon, I would see Jay Blonick, I would see Candace and Douglas Brooks, and like, I wanna be them. I'm like, I love their persona. They were great educators. So my draw was through the product, the brand, and what my perception of the vision um, and mission of those companies were. And those may not have been my my words or my thoughts at that time, but my draw was, you know, wow, I, I want to be able to present like you. I would love to emulate the things that you're doing in the industry. So I bring that back when, when I do mentoring because mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, someone wants to get their foot in the door. And, and it's okay because we all have to do that somehow. But before you um, approach you know, an organization about mentorship or about master training, you should know the program or the product mm -hmm. and think about also what you have to offer that program or product. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. I think that from my end, being a content creator and trying to work with a variety of organizations or even presenters or educators, uh, something to kind of add on top of that is also the ex execution, um, yes. trying to understand what the work is that goes into it. It's one thing to approach someone, an organization, BOSU, GIPS, Kettlebell Concepts, whatever that might be, and say that, oh, I'd love to work with you guys. I think you guys create great content, great education, but there's so much work that goes on. And if you haven't done it before, if you haven't created education, if you haven't taught yet, just understand that it's a, it's a big process and you got to be able and willing to execute on it because if you don't, so, and it's sad to say this, but it's, it's almost next person up because there are many people that want to speak at conferences, create education. And there are some people that, um, you know, sometimes get to skip the line and, um, you know, be with organizations because of their connections. Um, I know I've been lucky enough to have uh, and work with organizations that allowed me to go to conferences and speak and all that great stuff. But I know there's hungry fitness professionals out there, especially yes. right now, that want yes. to get into it. <laughs> and so be, be ready. It's a very competitive industry. 
Um, so it's be very, on it. Very, very competitive. And you yeah. do, you know, I, I agree with everything you've said. You have to, you have to know your craft and practice it. Mm-hmm. And just like anything else, you know, identify your weaknesses yeah. um, and, and really be willing to take that feedback and apply the feedback. That's going to be what makes a difference. Whether you're presenting at a conference, um, whether it's in a club or presenting, you know, within your club as a trainer or instructor, all those are great places for you to start to apply everything you learn. That's really good right there. I like that. That even goes into kind of what we discussed a little before recording here with being a, a counselor for fitness professionals or for gym members. Can you kind of dive into that again? Because I really think that that is different and something that gym uh, fit pros need to hear. Yes. So my um, my master's degree is in educational psychology and post-grad work in athletic counseling. And I, I was a guidance counselor before I had my first opportunity to dive into fitness full time. And as I've watched things evolve and, and I... I receive feedback about, you know, my performance or people asking, you know, where do I start? The thought occurred to me that we need a fitness guidance counselor. So if you're the consumer, it's so easy to be overwhelmed with what class is right for me. What is it that I need to do? And, you know, it might sound silly to a fitness professional, but to the consumer who's taking, like, I love indoor cycling, but you might find someone taking indoor cycling religiously and wants to know why he or she doesn't have cut up and ripped shoulders, triceps, and biceps. Mm -hmm. And they really, if they don't have the education, it's our job to steer them there. And I think that's um, a missing piece. Um, If you take it, you know, even as someone looking to become a master trainer, well, what, let's find the right program or fit for you. And and Mm -hmm. having some direction would be amazing. And it really, I felt that guidance uh, counselor calling, you know, the past year or two. And now with COVID, unfortunately, it's so sad. We have facilities that are closing and fitness professionals who um, are unemployed because, you know, they might still be in shelter in place or facilities are closing. And they're not just having to pivot, they have to recreate themselves. Yeah. So I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe we didn't appreciate our guidance counselor when we were kids because we mm-hmm. didn't know what we didn't know. Mm-hmm. We could really use someone um, acting as a, a fitness and career counselor uh, to our fitness professionals today. I like that a lot. I like that a lot, especially yes. having worked for now three Um, educational companies that primarily focus on entry-level trainers with the personal trainer certification. That is such a common thing you see with somebody that becomes certified. What do I do now? I just got certified. Where do I even start? And knowing your options is so important because do you want to be a contractor? Do you want to be an employee? Those have different ramifications. And I even come across people that they they're certified. They've even been in the industry for a little bit. They were young at the time, but they said, Oh, I'm not, I'm not ready to be a contractor. I don't want to have to deal with it. It's like, do you know that there are benefits of being a contractor? So knowing these types of things are so important. And even 
understanding yes. how accreditation, how CEUs work, what these terms even mean. These are part of your industry. So it's so important that somebody guide them just how you said, because it's, uh, it's a real fact that we have to deal with many individuals that come. We just talked about how it's a competitive industry, but there's also a lot of people entering and then exiting right away because they don't know what their options are. They don't know how to keep it going. And so even right now, as we're recording this, I mean, I focused a lot of resources with Kips towards making content, free content that's geared towards technology for fitness professionals. So how can you go online? What are the different platforms and those types of items? Because you got to adapt. If you're going to be waiting around and thinking, okay, maybe my gym's going to open a month when you could have switched online, kept some income coming in. You don't know what you would uncover in that process. You might see some really great things come from it. And now you have another resource at your, at your hands that you can work with. So um, most definitely, most definitely. And you know, it is, it is such an unfortunate and uncertain time for sure. But I think if we really, really listen to ourselves and we spend some time doing some of that inner work, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to find that we have some of these answers. And that's where um, part of my shift is, you know, we do need a counselor. We yeah. need someone to steer us and guide us. Um, and we need someone to, you know, believe in us. So even we could have the most seasoned fitness professional who just doesn't know where to go next. Nobody saw this coming. So, Mm -hmm. you know, when I would counsel my students, um, I worked in a high school, say, well, what are we going to do with this information? So um, some of the things that I'm planning in the works is is developing a way to make this happen. And um, it's interesting that you're so fabulous with technology as that has been one of the biggest issues Mm -hmm. for, you know, someone who's been in the fitness industry for a long period of time. So some of um, my fitness sisters and I have almost developed a reverse mentorship Mm -hmm. where, you know, I've been in the industry, you know, over 20 years and there are some um, instructors who are new to the industry who are out there killing it because they're not afraid of technology. So, you know, even setting up a way where we're saying, you know, I'll mentor you to be a better instructor and, and you can make us feel less fearful um, about technology and maybe putting ourselves out there, which is not something that we did even 10 years ago, the Mm -hmm. way it is right now. Yeah. I like that right there. I like that reverse um, counseling right there. I like that idea. And I think that was even um, kind of, I'll say like a brainstorming idea of a podcast episode that I shared a clip of it recently was somebody from my actually undergraduate degree. Um, she is a part of the fitness industry as well. And she shared about, and this was early on in terms of the, when the quarantine happened, she was mentioning how she would log on with other group exercise instructors and talk about the different settings. Can you hear me now? What about if I'm back here? What if I do this with the lighting and all those little things to brainstorm and try to create a more professional product that when they have people on, they're not worrying like, oh, can you see me over there? What about now? Can you hear me? Because you already have those set because you took the time to work on your craft, just how you said. And I can't stress that enough that this can be a new revenue stream. I've had several guests on just how you're saying it right now. 
that this can be something more. I've had guests on this podcast that talk about what they did and now they are getting hit up to be consulted for other organizations, big gym chains, just because they have that system down. And it's such a great thing when you see people adapt like that, in my opinion. You see the people that they're adapting, they're taking those risks, and they're learning from it because it's something that most most people are not going to get on the first try. If you're logging into Zoom or if you're using <laughs> YouTube Isn't Live. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> I know. If you're logging into Facebook Live, YouTube Live, or using Vimeo, whatever that might be, you're not going to get it the first time. And your students aren't going to get it the first time. So what are those processes and those steps that you can do that make it much easier for yourself and for your participants? So um, segueing now a little bit to the educational stuff, what are actually some of the resources that you recommend? Maybe some educational courses that you've taken that, wow, this really helped expand my career. Oh, sure, sure. Well, the first thing in terms of educational resources, for sure, without a doubt, is to find a mentor. It's not going to hurt to ask. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to a point you had said earlier, you know, maybe your mentor is outside of the fitness industry as well. So you might uh, find uh, a mentor within the industry who's going to help you um, perfect your delivery of a particular format. Well, you might reach out and, and seek assistance with someone who's a public speaker to help you become more confident in how you are presenting that information. Um, And then also seeking out those people who can help you with your weakest link. For me, technology is the thing that makes me sweat. I would rather do burpees for days um, (laughs) than, you know, I was so fearful of technology. So mentorship would be the first place. Um, In terms of group exercise, oh my gosh, there are so many, um, and training as well, there's so many amazing resources out there. Um, I highly recommend um, Idea World Fitness, uh, Mm -hmm. my first conference, oh my gosh, in San Diego several years ago was so life-changing. It is, um, it's literally the Super Bowl of Fitness, and Mm -hmm. they have done an amazing job adapting uh, with the COVID situation and offering resources, um, everything from, you know, insurance and safe opening procedures, teaching, um, you name it, it's been out there. Um, SCW has done an outstanding job of assisting um, and mentoring, um, offering um, live stream panels where people can really really start to listen to perspective. And I encourage people to take part in something that is outside of their wheelhouse and perhaps even outside their interest. And look at who's involved in the meetings and what can you learn from them? Because part of um, making our way through the industry is being well-informed. It might not be your area of expertise, uh, to to teach a certain format or specialize in a particular population, but you're certainly going to make yourself more credible to be able to speak to it yeah. and to be able to connect to someone who does specialize in that area. Yes, that's big. Yeah, right yeah. that's really yeah. good right uh, there. 
Right, and another great uh, resource, um, I'll mention uh, Shannon Fable again. She's got an amazing page, um, the ACE Group Fitness page. Um, you do not have to be, um, last I knew, you don't have to be part of um, the ACE community. You can be certified by another organization. And, you know, there are so many different um, topics that come up. And this has been going on for a couple of years. And it's a great community. There are, you know, different uh, webinars that come about and lots of people that you can uh, connect with lots of different topics, whether it's what do you have in your gym bag to how do you avoid burnout? And um, so lots of great resources out there. If you don't know where to start, that's why I started with your mentor um, as number one, because you're always going to keep learning. And in a perfect world, you know, you're going to have more than one mentor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I really like what you mentioned about idea. And I actually admitted this to talking about um, the group exercise individual that was a part of my undergraduate degree. I admitted this to her in the podcast that she, so this, um, her name's Dr. Schroeder. She used to always, and I'm sure she still does, when there are live classes, she promotes Idea World because she teaches at it and she would find opportunities for students to assist, so volunteer at it and get to attend the conference. And yes. I never took advantage of that. And I admitted it to her and it was because I was young, naive and looking back on it and now attending conferences, I see what the value is for that fitness professional just starting off in terms of just how you exactly what you said, seeing these different formats, going outside of what you're used to, what you know, and you never know, you might see something like, wow, that does spark something for me. That could be something that I want to add to my educational resources. I might get a little taste here. And then after this, I want to get a certification in it. I want to learn more about it because I see this as being a part of my business because going even back to what how we started off talking about your why and your passion, it could all form from just that. That's such a great idea. I, I mean, that's a great perspective. I think we need to reach out to some people. That's a what a great way for people to come in and really experience not just the formats, but how people react to them mm -hmm. and who the, you know, who the population is that shows up at this session versus yeah. this session. And, and what there's nothing better than that live feedback and to be a part of the question and answer that comes in the, the workshops. That's I'm so loving that idea. Oh yeah. Really good stuff. So with the educational counseling and potentially transforming this into, I don't know where you want to take this, but I, I see it being such a great resource, especially right now. And there being a variety of ways that you can implement it. Um, are you, you're doing group exercise stuff online right now as well, right? Yes. So what can you share? Cause I, I asked this pretty recently to a lot of the guests is about the technical difficulties that you're having <laughs> and how you and how you persevered through them because it's I'm sure that there are more people that are having these what are uh, some of those oh geez I am the queen of technical difficulties I am always um or at least that's my perception and I always like to be prepared mm -hmm. you know what I can tell you for the type of classes that I teach most of them are rhythmic they don't have to be mm -hmm. um the sound quality is a concern and it's a challenge, especially if you're trying to 
work to the beat of the music. If your music needs to be a particular beat per minute, um, where something like Balatone does, um, the huge challenge is being able to share your music in a way that your participants can hear it, but that you can also hear it. And my goodness, if there were like a fly on the wall watching all of us try a million different ways and watching, you know, any possibility on YouTube and, you know, many of us would be on working, you know, talking to each other on the phone, working with multiple devices, trying to get that music out to um, so that both the participant can hear it and so that you can hear it as well, because that that will totally change the experience if that gets lost in translation. So that's been a challenge. Um, but what else I find super interesting in taking classes online or training online uh, is finding the right platform. You know, I think. Yep. Yeah, you know, and I think, you know, you've talked um, and touched upon this in some of, um, you know, the podcasts and webinars that I've seen you in and, and knowing, you know, should I be using Zoom? Should I be using another platform? Um, should I be trying to target my people, you know, through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you know, private uh, software company? There's a, a ton out there and I'm sure there are more being creative you know, as we record this. So that's a lot to think about. And I would encourage um, it, instructors, trainers, professionals to really explore that because I don't think that online is going to go away as a way to um, help people stay fit and to reach our consumers. So, you know, we might get away with, you know, something that is not super clean right now, but eventually, you know, our consumers are going to be looking for, you know, a video and an experience where, you know, those bumps are worked through and it's a really professional um, experience for everybody. Yeah. And I think what you mentioned with the experience, I think that that is an aspect that we sometimes forget that you can create that. You can create some type of experience that is professional and that maybe you get some, I'll say, little bit of what you get with live. Uh, the example that I'm going to bring up now is somebody that I had on the podcast maybe five episodes ago, and she shared about how and why she uses a private group on Facebook so that members can chime in on workouts going on. They, she saw that some members were uh, watching from work and still commenting because they were, they, they like that community feeling. So you can still find those types and really it's up to you, just how you're saying, to explore those and find what you want to include in your experience for your business. So it's really um, a unique opportunity if you have that perspective that, okay, I want to do this and I want to learn something new about it. You just got to be willing to take that step. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So as we get to the podcast takeaways, and this is always something that <laughs> I always start by uh, an explanation of why it, because uh, if you just hear it right off the bat, you're like, oh man, that sounds harsh. But uh, in here, we're going to talk about three lies about teaching group fitness. And you have such a, uh, a great story and experience within the industry and the reason why it's framed as three lies about teaching group fitness is because it'll depend on the instructor, 
their experiences. And um, where I got this was a Ironman competitor. He, I think he has a Netflix show called, called Iron. It's a documentary called Iron Cowboy. He does 50 Ironmans in 50 states. I think it's consecutively, which is insane. And he was asked wow. what are three lies about doing a Ironman. So he shared those and I liked how it's framed. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'm going to bring that to the podcast. So Elizabeth, what are three lies about teaching group fitness? Oh my gosh, there are so many. Um, but I will start with the one that I think the newbies, um, some newbies might get into it. Um, and that first lie would be that we just get paid to work out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that, right? That alone is loaded. And we could come up with a million subtopics off of that. But if the industry has changed and how we teach and what we teach and the tools we need to efficiently um, and safely teach have changed as well. So, you know, I think uh, some people might get into it and say, well, I'm just going to get paid to work out. And then they find out how much work and practice is involved to deliver a quality experience and to really create engagement and community. Um, our preparation has changed. We are now DJs and we are choreographers, mm -hmm. um, graphic designers, um, marketing experts. Um, we're some have uh, emerged into social media influencers, um, counselors of sorts. There are so many different things that you need to take into effect. And that's, that's all just getting you ready to work out. You haven't even practiced uh, the workout or the delivery of it yet. This is, you know, stuff that you need to do to prepare uh, for the, the session and to market the session. So it is a lot more. And, you know, I saved the best for last on this one. Um, it is not about our workout when you're teaching a class. It is about the members workout. What do the members need? What is their experience like? And, and what can we do to enhance their experience and their connection, not just with you, but with everybody else in the room? Yeah, it's so true. So true. There's so many levels to that. And something that kind of popped into my mind when you started talking about, um, you know, beginning paid to exercises, even some individuals might stray from joining group exercise if they come more from the personal training side, because they think, oh, I, don't, I can't do that. I can't teach in front of a group or I, I don't know how to do choreography. There's so many sure. different formats out there that potentially you don't need to know choreography. And I give a lot of respect. I've said this in other podcasts. I give a lot of respect to those that can teach choreography. <laughs> I cannot. And that's why I taught boot camp style, um, circuit style. Um, but it's such a great resource for personal trainers. And you think about it and these are, I'm not making these up. You know, the majority of people that join a gym will do group fitness. I mean, that's why you see 30, 40 people in classes because that's why they joined. It's a way for them to get the most out of their gym membership. And at the same time, you know, there's a small percentage that do get personal training. And what greater way can you essentially funnel people to your personal training business than teaching group exercise? These are people you're going to see on a weekly basis. You're going to get to build relationships with them. And essentially, if they have a question about personal training, who's, who are they to ask first? You. 
So it's That's such right. Exactly. So it's such a great way to build your business, get paid while building your business. And I'm not going to say everybody can do group fitness because not everybody can. That's a personal trainer. It takes some experience and it takes some practice. But if you get the shot to, you got to make the most of it because of what it can do. And that was actually, uh, we're talking about mentors here. When I started off in the fitness industry, I worked at a pretty large gym that had 40 to 45 trainers in a very competitive area. And the top trainer, that was one of her tips, was to teach group exercise. Get out there, teach group exercise. And, but I mean, she was the top trainer at the gym and she had been there for a long time and she said, teach group exercise. So that's what I did. I went to go ask my fitness manager how I can do it. He put me in touch with the group X manager and they gave me a shot in terms of, um, at first I only had little 30 minute classes, but that grew and it grew into things that really helped set up my career for other items. So really great tips, I think for those that are interested in group fitness. So as we're winding things down, Elizabeth, can you share some information for people listening about your website, your social media links, and potentially any upcoming events that you're part of? Oh, yes, I would love to. So uh, my uh, my personal website is elizabethlenart.com. Um, I do have some fun events uh, coming up. It's funny that we, uh, we chatted bar uh, next mm-hmm. uh, Saturday. I will be uh, teaching bar created using the BOSU balance trainer mm. and the BOSU vertical uh, bar. So it's portable. And the idea around that is, you know, to give a bar experience, maybe draw in some athletes into the bar class, but also give an option for a bar that's uh, both portable and can also be used um, as the resistance in the class. Um and you'll find me um, on social media um, at Elizabeth Lenart Fitness. And Studio eFitness is um, my business, which I'm developing into an online platform where there will be continuing education, um, streaming, and classes on demand. But also, that's where I'm going to be diving into the mentorship and the fitness guidance counseling. Great stuff. Really great stuff yeah. in this episode. I really appreciate you coming on, hitting the pavement in terms of right off the <laughs> bat, sharing great tips for personal trainers, group exercise instructors, or even those that are just chiming in just to, just to listen during these times. So again, thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being here. We, we need your work. So thank you so much. <laughs>